It's go time. <laughs> Previously on Third Down Gamble. Incredibly, Darrell Walker is still out there. Teams are, are making it known that some players are not going to get the paychecks that they wanted, and that would be the primary one. He's definitely priced himself too high, and everyone's waiting. But the question is, who's going to take the plunge and do it? Most guess that the Lions are the most interested. You never know. Winnipeg just might shock you. I think it's at a case now where, where whichever team is going to pay him, whether it's one fifty to 200000 Daryl Walker is going to be someone who's going to cause a team to have to potentially let someone else go. Third down, Gamble. Listeners may have noticed we're making a shout-out at the end of the podcast to two other podcasts, the Two It Out CFL podcast and the Eskimo Empire podcast. Without the help of the hosts, especially Travis from Tune Out and Mike from the Eskimo Empire podcast, this podcast would never have happened. They were so instrumental in giving us cues and helping us with the technical side of things that we would not be on the podcast airwaves without their help. We just want to say thanks and we urge you to follow their podcasts as well. First down. It's February 21st, and we're back. And Daryl Walker is still not signed, Don. I think that has got to be one of my biggest stunners from this free agent period of 2020. I, You brought it up. We heard it in the pre-show. Is he too much for the pocketbook? I'm, I'm starting to wonder if he is. You know, at what point will he bring his price down? And someone I still think is going to take a flyer on him. Uh, he's too much of an impact player to leave out there. He is certainly one of those guys that you've got to wonder about how somebody that that's impactful can be left off the the board as of yet, but certainly he's going to come through in one way or another and sign somewhere. It's just a question of where. You're right. I guess we'll find out soon. It will be interesting to see because there's actually a number of other people out there. Let's talk about some of the receivers that are out there as well. Certainly, Naaman Roosevelt with the Riders. Uh, no one's picked him up. 32 years old, I believe, Don. I'm not sure if, if, you know, is he at a point where you can get a better return on investment with the younger player? I think that's what teams are looking at right now. You've got Luke Tasker, who didn't play all of last year because of a rib injury. Uh, you've got Rodney Smith out there. Uh, you've got Dominique Rhymes out there. There are quality people that are still out there. And is it a question like, did we spend all our money on quarterbacks last year and we're paying for it this year? What is it? Yeah, I'm. You know, it, it's interesting. It's uh, it's obviously part of the salary management system where teams aren't willing to pay the big bucks for someone who's potentially older. You know, it's it's tough when you connect to players, and and we've got a lot of young fans that their favorite player will be Walker if you're out in Toronto, or Roosevelt's been a strong possession receiver out in Riders. Um, Dominic Rhymes for the Red Blacks has been a strong person, and and we're losing some of those connections. I think to uh, the players that we know and have come to love, but uh, I think that is the salary cap management system, and that's what's going to be the future heading forward. There's going to be some veteran players who are gone. I I agree. I think that there's still an opportunity though. With they've got the uh, the three spots available for American players to become nationals in the roster. That was kind of addressing that issue of trying to keep players on teams longer so that you had that affinity with them much more. Naaman Roosevelt, 
his production did fall last year. So he's one of the guys that you could look at and say, okay, well, maybe his arc has started to move the other way. Mm-hmm. But Luke Tasker is such a possession receiver. He's such a clutch guy. He, injuries aside, how how do you not want him? Well, I think, you know, you do want him if he's Luke Tasker of a few years ago. If he's Luke Tasker, that's going to be one of the highest paid receivers on your team. I think some of these guys are pricing themselves out due to the salary management. If you want to play on the team as you get older, you're going to have to stop dropping your price. And uh, that will encourage you to stick around for a year or two longer. I think you make a good point. I always like the John Huffnagel thing. You can be the best player in the league and play for the Stampeders, but you're not going to be the highest paid player in the league playing for the Stampeders. And that's mm-hmm. salary management in a nutshell. It sure is. So, I mean, we've, we've got receivers. We've also got some other big names that have been synonymous with the CFL. Someone like Odell Willis with the Lions. Uh, you know, it's, it's it's a tough way to go out. You're expecting to be able to play again. And, and, I mean, he may still get picked up. Let's not rule him out. But, again, I think it's a salary management issue. And, and we lose some of the, the, the faces. Let's go with Sean Lemon, another defensive tackle. But, again, uh, they're, 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 they're the mid-30s. You know, this isn't like a 28-year-old that isn't getting a job. This is a 34, 35, 36-year-old that isn't getting right. a job. That's right. Well, and even the younger guys, C.J. Gable, um, you know, potentially looking at retiring. But uh, you're, you're going to have guys that are leaving now, and they're not going to um, be able to play again, and, and they don't see their own way out. The salary management is making sure that unless you are still playing at the high level that you played at all the way along, you're going to be done in the CFL, potentially. Well, I think that applies regardless of salary management. If you're not, if you're not performing, you're not playing. Fair enough. And that's, uh, you know, yet I still see some of these people that are on the list that are out here. They have performed fairly well. Someone like Josh Bartell, I, I see is he's been a strong punter in the league. He's done well. But getting older, he's got a high price tag. And uh, you can find someone who's comparable, may not get quite the average, but very comparable and has the ability to potentially grow and, and build uh, on the skill set that they have. So I can't blame general managers for taking that that uh, stance. You can look at U Sport. you know, the draft is coming up. There's always a kicker or two available. So you may decide to go that route as well. Absolutely. Yeah, Josh Bartell, he's done nothing wrong. He, he could be right. It could be just the fact that uh, his price point is just too much. Yep, and and some of these guys may be the signings that we see later if there's an injury in training camp or you need a, a veteran in the locker room once you find out your mix. Uh, that's when teams may take a, a stab at some of these guys as well. The price will have come down probably at that point if they haven't signed somewhere else. Injuries always play a factor, and let's say you, you've got a kicker in camp that has missed seven straight field goals. Mm-hmm. What do you do? You know, Absolutely. Or his punting average is 12. <laughs> it's it, it, there's always an opportunity you just never know when it's going to come true now second down the xfl yeah one of my favorite hot button topics on facebook and <laughs> I, I haven't even gone there like really do we want to talk about the xfl this is a cfl podcast on Let, i agree let's not... <laughs> i agree but it's kind of how would i describe this this is this is the ogre that's living under the the bridge as you walk outside. You've got to you've got to do something about it. <laughs> okay, if you're going to use that analogy, though, the ogre tends to uh, been disappear under the bridge for a few years until he comes back in another reincarnation. <laughs> well, let's talk XFL. Let's talk. The XFL is yeah. Yeah. Let's let's get it out of the way. Okay, so the XFL is underway. Yeah. I call it XFL two. Uh, the first one was two thousand one. It uh, lasted one season. XFL 2 is underway, two weeks in. They've got some innovative ideas. The 25-second clock is kind of nice. 
the kickoffs weird no mm-hmm. point afters it's all go from scrimmage so one two three at different distances meh i don't know really what else is so amazing about it other than it's hand the ball off uh, thunder into the line and see what happens no, I do like I do like the quick play clock. I mean, that to me has been one of the benefits of the CFL. So the XFL has uh, obviously picked up on some of the teams that are going hurry up offense. You see that in the NCAA. Teams like the Oregon Ducks have changed the way that things are happening there, and the XFL is picking up on that. I think that uh, this might do well to push the NFL off. The NFL has no innovation committee. They haven't really changed their rules to a big degree. Um, and I think the XFL is responding to that lack of change in, in football. Uh, where the CFL has changed all the time. Um, the XFL, I don't like the kickoff, to be honest. I, I don't find that that's a real exciting thing, but uh, at least it's changed it up compared to the NFL where it just goes in the end zone and they wave their hands and walk away. I mean, what's the point of even kicking? The, the one rule I hate about that kickoff is that if the kicker doesn't get it a certain distance, it's a, you get the ball 15 yards from where the kickoff was, like that's pretty draconian. And what if it's a wet day and the guy slips as he goes to kick it? Like... Uh, but I guess that makes it fun. It's much like, a, you know, you're, you're going for a field goal and you slip and you miss it, which has happened a few times in the past that we know of. And uh, I'm not sure. It, it's got a few different ideas, Don. It does. And to its credit, they're, they're trying them out. But, okay, let's, let's deal with this. Does the XFL pose a threat to the CFL? No. I completely agree. I, I mean, you take a look at the people who have gone from the CFL to the XFL. I mean, you've got uh, in their prime, Monty Edwards may be one receiver in their prime. SJ Green is certainly at the end of his career. Uh, Derek Dennis, I think, still has a solid skill set. But the fact that uh, he's priced himself out and he's going down there for one incredible pay cut, I would think. I don't see it being a draw. Right now, CFL players are making more of a wage. They're going to want to be in the CFL if they have the opportunity to do that. Now, if the XFL is able to turn a corner and stick around for more than one or two seasons, maybe we'll see some of our CFL Americans want to get down there. I, I do understand, you know, you want to play closer to home. You want to play a, a game that's a bit more familiar to you. So, I mean, there's going to be that draw of some of the players away, but uh, I don't see it impacting the CFL overall. I, I would agree. I just don't see what what the fuss is all about. I mean, the league is, that league has been there for two weeks and people are talking about CFL merging with it and all this kind of crap. And it's just, to me, insane. Like, okay, settle down. The sky is not falling, people. Yes, three people out of, what, 250, 300 CFL players have signed there? Like, wow, that's like less than 1%. Let's get serious. The bigger issue with the CFL and the XFL, and people I don't think understand this, is the XFL training camps start as the CFL season ends. You're not going to be draining Mm -hmm. CFL players. So there's no issue there. The XFL is a threat to the NFL. That's who they look at, and that NFL sees it as the same way. They're not hand-in-hand, these two. No. No, they're not. And I I just don't see it being uh, to to merge with the CFL. That would be the most... uh idiotic move on the behalf of CFL if anyone even steps in that direction. It would be the XFL that would probably posit that opportunity if they come to that point where they're struggling, which I, I think is inevitable. I don't think they're going to last more than... I, well, what's the betting line, Don? Let, let, what do you think? Two years? One year? I, I, they I ha- they, the, the rumor is, is that Vince McMahon has got about 500 mil set aside for this. It was about 270 mil that killed the AAF. That's how much they lost in their six to eight weeks of, of play. So if you do the numbers, they should last season one. People mm-hmm. in the States, they've got NBA 
heating up ring training. You've got NASCAR. There's a lot of other things on the docket that do not see the, the XFL as being any kind of threat to the CFL. There's 450 uh, U Sports eligible players. There's about 12,000 players from the U.S. College. And now we've entered the global market for CFL as well. And, and I just don't see this causing a real drain on our talent. The talent pool is there. It, yeah. You just may have to work a little harder to find people. So what? That's right. And, and you know, will there be some talented players that go to the XFL? For sure. Uh, but some of them may want to move to the CFL after as well. The paycheck still is better. Um, I think that's the one thing the XFL has going for right now. The costs probably are a little bit more controlled than they were the first time around. And, uh, you know, they may see year two, but uh, I'm really not holding out that they're going to be a long time. You want to see more football? I'm happy for you. But to claim that it's going to ruin the CFL, like, give me a break. Mm -hmm. Third down gamble. Well, you ready for an argument, Don? Let's uh, let's get into this third down where we talk a little bit about uh, playoffs. Let's do it, and just remind yourself that at the end of the argument, you're going to admit that you're wrong. <laughs> well, sure, you can do that. That's good. So, the playoff crossover rule. I mean, that was designed and implemented to address divisional disparities, and um, we've been using that for some time. Your thoughts? You call it divisional disparity. I don't see it that way. It's been since 1996 that this rule has been implemented. The West has gone 12 times out of those 25 years, won five East semifinals and never an Eastern final. So divisional disparity, no. Um, what I see it as is the West whining, saying we want more playoff home dates and they'll take them from the East. And, and so uh, there's been a suggestion by the commissioner, Randy Ambrosi, that the playoff format change. It was suggested by the Blue Bombers president, Wade Miller, and uh, it's interesting. Well, the idea is interesting. I don't think it has much merit in one real key aspect. However, we need to debate the whole idea of do we scrap the crossover and go to this new format that they're proposing where the division winners get a bye, mm -hmm. the next four best records then play in wildcard games, I guess you'd call them. And from that, winners would then move on to finals, the rider being that the best team overall, at least initially in discussions, they would have choice over who they'd play. You know what? I, I like the idea of the best six teams in the playoffs. And I know you don't, Don, so we can start this argument what do you right mean the, here. I don't like the idea of the best six teams in the playoffs. <laughs> the best you six don't. teams are always in the playoffs. It, wasn't, it hasn't been since about 1984 that the seventh place team has made the playoffs. Everything comes back to 1981 when all five Western teams had better records than their third place Eastern opponent. And that third place team made the playoffs. You're right. The records were the Blue Bombers were 11 and 5, BC 10 and 6, the Riders were 9 and 7, the Stamps were 6 and 10 in that year, and uh, two teams in the East made playoffs with lesser scores uh, or records. The Rough Riders of the East finished 5 and 11, and the Alouettes finished 3 and 13, and both were in the playoffs. A 5 and 11 team got to host a playoff, and uh, there were teams. And that 5 and 11 team also made it to the Grey Cup. They did that year. They did. And came within a few seconds of winning that Grey Cup. That's not important to what we're arguing about here. <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> no, no, I actually, I, I, I truly do like the uh, suggestion of, of the top six teams making the playoffs. But they do already. There's nothing changing. 
they, they don't necessarily already, or if they do, do the, they the, don't the, already? a higher place team, let's, let's go back to, uh, I believe it was, I want to say it was 2018, Hamilton hosted a home playoff game at 8-10, and 10, whereas Edmonton finished 9-9 nine and nine and did not have the opportunity, they had to travel to the East instead. That's, that's about hosting a playoff the, game, it's not about being the, in the top six, and this is what it comes down to. Winnipeg is mad last year because they had to do everything on the road to get to the Grey Cup. They did win it all. I don't think they have to worry about anything anymore. But they're mad that Montreal gets a home date over them when Winnipeg is a better record. And they're saying, wait a tick, we should be the guys hosting. Now, my stink is the East comes West five times in a year. The West only has to go to the East four times in a year. If you look at home field advantage, more times than not, the home team wins. The West gets an extra victory out of that. Immediately, you start seeing a bias towards the West in terms of how the final standings will play out. And unless you address that imbalance of the East playing only eight games within division and 10 outside, how is this fair? How can you address that balance when you're playing home and home, Tom? Have you got a suggestion? Well, you can, you can modify the schedule to make it nine and nine. The difficulties of that are immense because of the fact that you've got an odd number of teams in one division. Mm-hmm. So, but there are some great math thinkers that'll get this one figured out. That's not a problem. Are you saying that's not you and I, Don? <laughs> Leave it to the math guys. Let me add it and I'll get it. <laughs> no. But I do believe, like, if you look at the NFL, and they do have wild cards and division winners and all this sort of stuff, the NFL, you play six games in your division, mm-hmm. you play 10 outside, but everybody does the same thing. So if you want to have a wild card situation in the CFL, if you're going to say to the East, guess what, Montreal, you weren't going to get that home date where you sold the place out, people were jacked to see you play. Oh, well, we'll move that out west if you want to play in Winnipeg that weekend. If you're going to do that, then you better give Montreal more than just eight dates within their own division. Interesting. I can understand what you're saying. I won't say it's right because I just don't do that. I understand what you're saying. I think, you know, you make some valid points. However, I do think the idea of making the whole season count, whether it's East or West, hopefully this goes away if we do add an Eastern team and we have balanced, which I think the math gets easier certainly at that point. But uh, I still think it's worth having the discussion about this type of format. I guess if we're going to go in... Uh, one of the things I'd like to talk about is is the suggestion that the first place team gets to choose who they would play in the playoffs. Do you like that idea, Don? I'm sure the answer is no, but let, let's hear what your thoughts are. The answer is definitely no. It's To me, it's asinine, idiotic, and a bunch of other hyperbole that I can't think of right now. Baseball is thinking about this. I don't understand it. Why are you doing this? This is all about a gimmick to put on television so that you get a few more eyeballs watching what? Somebody sit behind a desk and go, uh, we're going to decide to play Saskatchewan. But, but no, this is about television ratings, and I just don't see that this is going to work out the way they want it to. Keep the choice out of it. You are bracketed or you play the worst team and move on. But, but Don, I would, I would argue the opposite. What league doesn't want people talking about what choices are? I mean, it would be quite exciting when someone chooses and that team, of course, they're going to play the, uh, you know, we were disrespected card. But if they happen to win, you've chosen them, they happen to win. That will make for some great uh, 
I would say, uh, media for the leak. You're going to have people talking about the choice. You're going to have people questioning the choice. You're going to have lots of uh, media in particular, but I think also fans discussing what's going on in the league. And is that not what a league wants, is exposure? I, I don't argue that exposure is great, but I really have a problem with it. And that's my issue with this whole choice thing. I think that if you play a whole season, you had choices all the way along poor decision, somebody fumbled the ball, whatever the case may be, but you wound up where you wound up, that is your lot in life. Okay. Deal with it. So so if the CFL were to adopt this playoff rule, would you want to then see the, the first place team in the East and the West are going to be in the playoffs? Whoever has the better record would then play, would you bracket it, the winner of the 4-5 game versus the winner of the 3-6, assuming the better place team should be there, or would you allow them to play the uh, after the wild card weekend, the lowest placed team, first place overall plays the lowest, and the second place overall plays the higher of the two. My preference would be if you finish first, you should play the worst team that comes out of the wild card. Some people will talk about preparation and say, "Well, if you know that the winner's coming out of this game, you can prepare for both." You're not going to anyway. You've seen them two or three times in the season anyway, so that's not the issue. I think you play the worst team that comes out. So if three wins and four wins then you get to play four if six wins and four wins you get to play six yeah and and i think that would be good i do think that uh, if you know who you're going to be playing against the team that has the bye for the week has an opportunity to take a look at their tendencies no matter who's coming out this way they would have to potentially look at all four teams as opposed to focusing on two teams of preparation but it's not like they haven't seen them before no i mean they've been playing them all year They've got film on everybody. They, they do, but... I don't see this as a problem. Well, I, th- I think there's got to be some advantage to having that bye week. And if, if, it's, uh, if it's... But you've got the bye week. That's the advantage. You don't have to play that game. Uh, it is a game off. I, I would agree with you. But in terms of preparation, I think the bye week gives you an opportunity to say, these are who we're likely to play. And as it stands right now, when you have you know three Western teams in or a crossover team coming the other way, you still at least know it's one of these two teams coming forward. So the brackets, leaving the, the, the brackets the same so that the second place team would play the winner of the 6-3 game and the uh, first overall team would play 5-4, I think gives them a bit more of an advantage in terms of preparation and knowing who you're going to be playing. Maybe, but again, how much are you going to change in that amount of time? There's only a few plays that you're going to implement or maybe something that you learned on film against Winnipeg or Hamilton that you might want to change. Ultimately, I don't think it matters all that much. Once they know their opponent, they get to work. I, I don't disagree. Choosing the opponent, I, I think that would uh, make for some interesting media. And I, but I think it's about league exposure, and I, I'm not sure I like it. I, I would prefer to see this format change come in, uh, not this next year, but potentially when we do get balanced. I think it has some merit when we're balanced, if, if we do get a team out in Halifax. If you can balance the schedule so that the... I mean, the whole business of crossovers and everything came out of when they went to full interlock Mm. and it just really impacted i think the the east negatively because they just don't have the number of games you know where where i think this would fall down a little bit don is uh, in the event that you had two western teams or two eastern teams in the gray cup and and that's possible in this format that's being suggested by randy ambrosi i think i think you'd potentially lose something there well, and the other thing, too, you could have all three Ontario teams not host a playoff game. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen now. And I think that's a major hit. If you have that marketplace not having a home date anywhere, 
TV ratings again <laughs> on the basis of the games, not TV ratings on the basis of Sunday at 6 o'clock, we're going to see who Calgary chooses to play for five minutes. Like, it just, it isn't going to be that big a show. No. Like, I don't think it's just, I don't think it's really that important. I think, and the teams themselves, I mean, my Lord, if you're the Stampeders and you have a choice between, okay, Saskatchewan won and Ottawa won, and you sit there and you go, well, if you know what happens, Sea of Green, when we play them in McMahon, Ottawa, not so likely that we're going to get that hit for the, for the revenues in, this, in the ticket sales. What? I mean, that's not fair. Do, do you think that, I don't think teams would pick a better team. I think you're going to pick the team that you're going to match up best on the football then, side. There, then why have the choice? Get rid of the choice. Just do it. Just get rid of the choice. You have played 18 <laughs> games. Your lot in life has been determined for you. Lose the choice. So what you're saying, Don, is if you had a choice... I, do, I don't want a choice. <laughs> the whole point of this exercise is that choice, it's just fraught with peril. If you beat the team and you win, you say, well, you picked them because blah, blah, blah. If you don't beat them and you lose, then you say, well, you ding-dongs, you shouldn't have. You can't win. You may as well just let the schedule determine who your opponent is. I don't necessarily disagree, and I, I will say that. Um, it's I, about time. <laughs> well, what what I would say, Don, is that if they're going to go with the choice, I think it would get a lot of media coverage for the league, and fans would talk. For 12 hours. Yep, for 12 would, hours. but at least it's someone talking about the CFL, and I think that's good for the league. I just, I don't think it's for the right reasons. And I think there, at some point, you have to assess... Is this the type of publicity we want? Mm-hmm. We want positive. We want growth. We want expansive. And I don't know if that addresses this. Well, it will be interesting to see what happens. This is going to go, I believe, on March 17th before the Board of Governors. And uh, that will be interesting to see how they choose to do this. Because as, as you say... If I'm an Eastern owner, how thrilled am I? I'm, gonna give, I'm giving up a guaranteed home date to let this happen. Because the East gets two. They get the East semifinal and the East final. And one of those is going to possibly go if this happens. Now, wouldn't it be funny if the East gets really strong this year, they adopt this and there's home dates all over in the East and none of them are in the West. Yeah, that would would be interesting to see if that came. And I think your point about the interdivisional play and the the records could potentially stop all three or four teams from being in that way in the east i think that is your argument right well i just i don't want to see the east disadvantaged in this process and this is my stink and and i think for me part of the charm uh, growing up watching the cfl being a lifelong cfl fan has always been we end up with east versus west in the great cup and that's been the tradition um you know there, there have been a few times when winnipeg moved over to the east for the sake of eight teams uh when we, when we were without montreal that you ended up with winnipeg has done the tour Yep. So, I mean, maybe that's why Winnipeg's saying that, because they know if they happen to be relocated into any division, Winnipeg's going to move east uh, based on this, because you could move five teams to the east to try to balance it that way. I don't think that's ever going to happen. The real thing to do is to get that team in Halifax underway and get your 10-team league going with full representation from C to C. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see how Touchdown Atlantic will go. It's a conversation for another day, but uh, I'm hopeful I'm on the waiting list for my tickets. That's awesome. Should be good. 
Yeah, the Rough Riders and the Argonauts. That should be a good game. It should, and I'm, I'm interested to see how many people from Halifax area are going to get out there. I wish they had a few more tickets available because we know the Sea of Green will likely inundate down into Halifax at that point in time, but I'm hopeful that we see a strong base out of Halifax attending that game. I think you will. I think the the support is there. You know, it's it's going to grow. So let's get let's get the schooners going. I love football. Thank you for listening to our show. Third Down Gamble is hosted on Podbean. Third Down Gamble can be found on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, where our handle is at Third Down Gamble. That's spelled at T H I R D D O W N G A M B L E. Our thanks to Travis of the Two and Out CFL podcast, and also to Andrew and Mike of the Eskimo Empire podcast for their great help and advice getting our podcast launched. Join us again next time. The Third Down Gamble podcast. Audio. Worth watching. Gosh.